the one who called himself the anointed one of God, the one who called himself the son of God, the one who called himself one with the Father, the one who called himself as the bread of life, the one who came from heaven and the one that provides the only way to heaven is dead. Imagine having followed him. Imagine having seen him perform miracles. Imagine hearing his teachings as no one had ever taught before. Listening to him, how brilliant, how wise, what depth of knowledge, what understanding. But then too, what might have even impressed you more was his compassion and his love. You heard about him taking compassion on the widow of Nain by bringing her dead son back to life. You saw the reaction of Jairus when Jesus brought his precious daughter back to life. And you were even there when Jesus called out, Arise, Lazarus. You saw a man in the grave for four days walk out of the tomb, wrapped in tomb clothes, but standing, breathing, living, walking. It took you a while, but you finally believed in this man from Galilee. You thought about it, at first not understanding who he was or how he was able to perform those miracles, but in the end you had decided that you were in the presence of God himself and you believed every word that he said. Oh, you readily admit you didn't understand everything that he said, but at the same time, you knew that everything he said, it was as though it was coming from the very mouth of God. And you knew, somehow you knew, that to believe in him opened up the doors of heaven for you, and you wept, and you wept at the thought of your sins being forgiven, all of them, and you wept that God would have opened your eyes to see who he was. And you wept at the fact that he chose you to be one of his. And you raised your hands in thankfulness and adoration at the one who came to do all these things for you and for as many as would truly follow him, repenting of their sins and giving the lordship of their lives over to him. He was the one, and you knew it. But how did you get to that conclusion? You were there in Jerusalem for the Passover, and you were trying to find him. But wherever he was, you couldn't see him. Then someone told you that he was under arrest and that the crowd just before you had arrived had called for your Lord's crucifixion. How could this be? How could my Messiah be on trial? How could he be brought to death? Thoughts began to race through your mind. They will never find him guilty. He never did anything wrong. Oh, I know that he irritated the religious leaders a lot but they just need more time to see that he was always right. He'll be out of that praetorian shortly and all will be well. Then you thought, what if they do find him guilty? Of course it will be a sham trial if they do, but what if that's what happens? What will they do to him? Then you thought, what can they do to him? He's God. They can't hurt him. As a matter of fact, when is his army coming to destroy the Romans and all these evil people? 
This is going to be a massacre, you thought. The king of the Jews, if necessary, will call down all the angels he needs to destroy all those that are trying to destroy him. It left you with a hollow stomach, not knowing what might be happening, but you also had some reserved thoughts of, I don't know how he'll do it, but he's gonna win this fight. But then, but then the Lord of life was standing in the open door. Roman soldiers were around him, and one of them was about to put the patibulum on his shoulders. Oh no, I am seeing him more clearly now. Is that Jesus? Maybe that's someone else. I don't even recognize him. Oh, his face is so disfigured. He doesn't look like the one who called himself equal with God. And he continued to walk toward me. I saw blood everywhere. He was bleeding from his head, from his arms, from his shoulders, and from his back. He staggered toward me more, and I saw, I saw his shoulder bones. There was no flesh left on his shoulders. I saw muscle tissue twitching in pain as he held the wooden crosspiece behind his neck, resting it on his barren shoulders. But I still wasn't sure, is it him? His face and body are so mangled, so red, so bloodied, and so black and blue that I simply can't... Wait! Wait! It is! It is him! And tears began falling from my eyes. I could not believe that a person could do what I just witnessed. That they could do that to another person. It was honestly something that I just thought could never take place. The utter brutality of the scourging. How could he even stand and no less walk? And then I got angry. I got angry with the religious rulers, and I got angry with Pilate, and I got angry with the Roman soldiers. I got angry with the crowds, and I wanted to go get him, but I could not. But then I remembered. He's God! Surely he's waiting for exactly the right time to call on his soldiers, his angels, his army of followers to make this heinous wrong right. So as I watched him climb up the hill, I waited. Come on, Lord, do it now. Do it now. Show everyone who you are. And I waited. And I saw a man who was ordered to carry the patibulum throw it down to the ground. Then... A Roman soldier pushed Jesus down onto that piece of wood. I saw one of the Roman soldiers get on his knees. He was handed a large hammer, a large spike. He rested the point of that spike on Jesus' wrist, drew the hammer over his head, and brought it down swiftly onto the head of the spike, driving it right through the Messiah's wrist and into the wood. Then there was another blow to drive the nail far enough into the wood so that there would be no way to escape. Then that same Roman soldier knelt over the Lord and repeated the process on his other wrist. I stood there in unbelief. How could this be happening? I yelled out, He didn't do anything wrong! Why are you doing this? But no one paid any attention. Romans lifted up the patibulum onto the post buried into the ground and attached the two pieces together. And a sign was over his head that said, King of the Jews. 
He hung there, bleeding, disfigured, in obvious agony, working so hard simply to breathe. And no one came. No one came to take him down. No one came to his rescue. The clouds did not part, the sky did not open, no angels were in sight. And I hung my head in disbelief and sorrow. He said some things from the cross, I couldn't really hear them, but then I saw him stop breathing and he was declared dead. I was in shock. I was in utter disbelief. I, I, I couldn't believe it. His body was limp and lifeless. He had lost so much blood. It was no wonder that he died so quickly. He looked as though a hundred horses had trampled over his body. After confirming that he was truly dead, they took him down. I heard that a man had offered his grave to him, which had never been used to place Jesus in, and then I saw him take him away. I, I was just confused. I was distraught. What in the world is going on? What just happened? Why did he die? Somehow, I wonder, does this death have anything to do with the Passover? Was he the Passover lamb once and for all? Or will the lamb that the leaders will kill in a day still be what makes God pleased with us and helps us to be in a relationship with the one true God of heaven? I walked away, still in utter confusion. My mind couldn't put two thoughts together. I was a mess. Had I believed wrongly and in vain? I remember he once said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Now is this perhaps making sense? Maybe what had just happened was what he was talking about. And if it is, if he really is who he said he was, he should rise from the dead, shouldn't he? Anxiously, I awaited for the time to pass. I tried to sleep, got an hour here and an hour there, but I'd wake up every time thinking about whether or not he would pull through on what he said would happen. I didn't eat much. I was so preoccupied with what I was hoping would take place next. That was all that I cared about. Finally, the time was up. The Sabbath had passed, so I started to walk to the place where they laid him. But before I even got there, someone ran up to me to tell me that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And that when the sun had risen on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But apparently when they looked up, they saw and were so amazed that the very large stone had actually been rolled away. So they entered the tomb where they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were very scared. But this young man said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Look, do you see him here? You won't because he isn't. Now, please go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. 
there you will see him just as he told you. I asked the person telling me all of this, what did they do? And she told me that they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. I had to find out more. My heart was racing. This was all weird to me. I saw him dead. I saw his body taken away to the tomb. I kept coming back to the fact that I saw him hanging on the cross with his body virtually devoid of blood, his head hanging down motionless and lifeless. There was no question about that in my mind. But now, did some disciple or follower with the help of others roll the stone away and take him to some secret place? Someone must have stolen his body. Maybe they wanted to do something special to it, like the women who wanted to anoint him with sweet-smelling spices. Or, or did he rise up? I couldn't be sure. I had mixed emotions. Part of me kept saying, stop hoping. He's dead. But another part of me kept saying, what if he is actually alive? And if he is, I ever find out? But as I was wondering in confusion, she told me this. And just at that time, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I wanted so desperately to believe. I had a sliver of hope. Oh, how I wanted to believe. But was I being told the truth? Or was this what this woman speaking to me wanted to believe herself? But she was so very emotional, so very believable. I just had to find out more. Then I heard another report of the temple curtain dividing the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple and all of the people. It was torn in two from top to bottom when he died. And that amazingly, many tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And even one of the Roman centurions at the cross said in awe, truly this was the Son of God. As people ran up to me to tell me what they had seen and heard, my doubt became more and more like faith. I went from questioning his words to fully believing them. I was so relieved, I was so filled with joy at the realization that the man I had seen lifeless was dead no longer, and I believed. I knew that only God had the power to bring life back into the dead, and Jesus was alive. I knew that if he was able to fulfill his own prophecy about his death and resurrection, that everything else he ever said had to be true as well. And then, while I was standing, Another person came up to me and said, this is what he saw. He said that he witnessed 11 disciples going to Galilee, up to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And that when they saw him, they worshiped him, even though some were not so sure what was even going on. And Jesus came up to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow. He has all the power and all the authority on earth and in heaven. This is unbelievable. 
believable, but it had to be true, for he is alive. And it is only now that I realized that what I had just witnessed, his cruel, torturous death on the cross at Calvary, had to be the way it needed to be. There was no other way for man to be saved unless a sinless man was killed for the sins of the world. I realized that there was no man that could do this, for all have sinned and fallen far short of the glory and the perfection that God requires. So there would never be any man who could save the world. But then came Jesus, the only perfect man to ever walk the earth. And as such, he and he alone became the only prospect, the only one qualified to die for someone else's sins. But because he was perfect, he could not die because the penalty for sin is death. And if he didn't sin, then he wouldn't die. But in the incredible, loving, grace-filled proposal of the triune God, the plan was set in place. Jesus would not die on a cross for his sins, but for the sins of the world, for they somehow would be imputed upon him. I don't know how, but that's what happened on that cross. And so he died and then took the wrath of the Father, poured out against him his only begotten Son, who he loved so much. It was the right and just punishment poured out upon him by the Father for the sins of the world. But it was that plan and that plan alone that opened the doors of heaven. It was that plan and that plan alone that gave a purpose for living. Those who would believe now have the ability to glorify God while on earth and enjoy him forever in heaven. That is what Jesus did. And I pray I never take for granted what he has done for me. And he has given his disciples and all of us work to do while we are here. We need to tell the world about him and what he has just done for the entire planet. He has opened the doors of heaven to anyone and everyone who will believe on him through faith. He is gone now, but I am not scared. I do not fear, for I know that he is still alive. He's just ascended into heaven to be with his Father, but he has only gone physically from this earth. His spirit is here always, and one day he said that he will return. It's been a year now since all this happened. I think back, what a week that was. What a three-day miracle had taken place. The world has been changed, there's no doubt about that. There is still evil around us and people are still what they've always been, but now there's an answer to life's uncertainty. And there is an answer to our final destination after this life. It is clear that God awaits every person that dies and will eventually go to the judgment seat. If they will place their trust and their faith in him and him alone, his promise is that they will have eternal life with him and only beauty in every sense of the word will exist. But those who reject him, as so many rejected him on that Friday, will face his righteous judgment and be banished to hell where there is weeping and gnashing of the teeth, where it is a black, bottomless pit, where there is eternal anguish without the grace or mercy of the only one that can provide it, where the devil and his minions will attend and it will be forever. 
I can now joyfully believe in him and his words, for he is alive just like he said. My faith in him is now confirmed. His promises are true. And for me, he has become the lamb who was slain for the forgiveness of all who will believe. As I thought about this, it has caused me to tell everyone that I can what Jesus said himself. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. But one of the disciples, Thomas, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the story of one man to share what happened over 2,000 years ago. It is a story with the ultimate truth behind it that the Son of God died on a Roman cross but was raised back to life. And in so doing, he has been given all authority over all sin and all punishment for that sin, such that for any and all who believe on him, when facing the final judgment, which we will all face, can be assured that we will stand before God as though we had never sinned. An amazing but true outcome of the work of the precious Lamb of God. That's the end of this story. But as we approach Resurrection Sunday, let me remind all who are listening of this passage of Scripture stated by the Apostle Paul. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who believes to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and every authority and every power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, 
God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as you look forward to Easter Sunday, to Resurrection Sunday, to the day that is just a special holy day for all Christians around the world everywhere, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus wasn't just killed on the cross, it didn't end there. He died, he went to the grave, but God accepted his perfect sacrifice for the sins of this world and the proof of that acceptance by his father is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive and he calls all men to him. Give him praise and thanksgiving and glory this Easter weekend. But if you're not a believer, if you have thought about Jesus and rejected him, it would be my plea, as you perhaps listen to this, that you would see the truthfulness of Scripture, that you would see your life in the light of a perfect and holy God, and that is you are a sinner and you are deserving of judgment. That you would recall the Scripture in Psalm 5, verses 4 and 5, that God will have no sin before him, and that there is only one way to spend an eternity in heaven, and that is to repent of your sins and place your faith on the precious Lamb of God, His only begotten Son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus the Messiah. May God bless you and yours.